I just made a word up. That's so funny. <laughs> we just became a conglomerate. <laughs> Where did that word come from? More than five from? letters. More yeah, than five not, letters. That's, that's, right. that's five syllables. That's more than five letters. My husband works with computers, and that is very different <laughs> than ministry. Yeah. So I can throw something out, and you can say, that's stupid, Kay. We have a severe case of collective ADD. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. Community and connection have been vitally important because, you know, if you do it by yourself, it's all your fault. There were 15 of us in a tiny room. With- we have no idea how professional or unprofessional this thing may turn out once we're done with it. Check, check, one, two, is this thing on? Welcome to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. Uh, my name is Chris Lynch, the host of the Cultivating Ministry Podcast, and I am uh, joined today for the first time ever by only one other person. I've got yeah. Kay Wolfinger with me. Say hello, Kay. Hello, Kay. I um... <laughs> That's pretty funny. I have a lot on my shoulders today. I got to like fill in for the other two. You better step up your game. Bring your I I know. And they say you come come strong or you don't come at all. Um, Is that what they say? I, I, that's what I say. I've heard. I think that was an old, I think that was actually an old commercial that had to do with basketball. Maybe it was a guy in a commercial, a sneaker commercial that said, you come strong or you don't come at all. So never heard it before, but uh, yeah, you probably, probably now. Probably weren't too into basketball sneakers in your early years like I was. No, nope, can't say um, that I was. Off the top, I do want to go um just say a a, a word of um to to let Caroline Caroline Wood was supposed to be with us today. Um we just want to to send our thoughts and prayers to Caroline. Um her son Doug passed away and so she was not able to be with us, but I just wanted to do that here publicly let Caroline know that, that we are thinking about her and praying for Mm-hmm. We'd Absolutely. love for you, love for you all to do that as well, uh, as you think of that this week after listening to this podcast. Um, we we are going to talk about leadership today, uh, and and actually look at um, some traits of Jesus's leadership style. Uh, and it may this could be multiple. We don't we're not sure this will be two, three. Heck, it may be ten. Who knows? Kay and I make it up wild hair. Um, but we're going to record, it will, it will be multiple episodes. So this mm-hmm. will be part of some number. It's like an algebra yeah, a problem. series. Yeah, we're a starting series. a series. It's a series. That's really good. A series. We'll do an algebra problem and call and say, this is the first of X. You find yes. X. Better tune in for the next few weeks to find out what X was. Uh, and so we thought about, um, as a way to kind of introduce a topic to, to, to share a, a, our, our first experience, we were kind of that, that we can remember of being in leadership, maybe thrown into leadership. Maybe it was, you know, you knew you were getting into it, but what was your first leadership experience? And, and maybe a, a, some kind of story that might give us an idea of what that looks like. Cause you know, some of us, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've been in leadership for at least some period of time. But it's sometimes we forget what it was like to be in leadership that first time. So, Kay, what's your um, your first memory of 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 being thrown into leadership? Uh, yeah, so I we had um, a new youth pastor. Uh, um, I want to say maybe my eighth grade year uh, at the church and um, at the Methodist church I was attending, and mm-hmm. he um, 
really pushed for um, to follow the book of discipline um, to have young people on committees and <clears throat> threw me on. Um, he had a lot of confidence in me and I was a really shy um, teenager and, and threw me on ad council at the time. That's what it was called. I think Yep. I didn't know any, anything about it and I don't have any memory of that, but That's I will funny. say you, you blocked it out of your mind. I think so. I think so. It was traumatic. I didn't know anything that they were talking about, um, which is part of the issue when we throw teenagers. That's another whole topic. By the way, for, for you non-Methodist folks listening, the, the Administrative Council is kind of like the board of directors of the United Methodist mm -hmm. Church. They're the, mm -hmm. the uh, final approval stage of things. They're like the big wig. Yeah. So, but the experience that I do remember and probably impacted me for the rest of my life as a leader, um, I was assistant director, uh, junior and junior and senior year um, for the musical. And my junior year, my first year in that role, uh, our our uh, drama person um, kind of like went. A little, 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 like ended up in the hospital. Oh wow! Deep in, yeah, um, about ten days before show. Nice. Maybe, yeah, and so I got called in the office Monday morning, and was told, um, "Here is the uh, master key to the school. You let us know what you need, and the choir director will be helping." Um, but yeah, let us know, and and we pulled off the show i called the show um uh, uh like produce you know what i mean yeah, yeah. those of us in <laughs> in yeah, all, events all you, all understand you, all you thespians out there unite and and can understand what she's saying i have no clue well and um but, also, but it does sound overwhelming well it was greece and we had scheduled for a car to be on stage um not realizing that the fuel tank needed to be removed per the fire department so i also had to coordinate that so anyway um that actually really shaped me and pulled me out of my shyness and yeah. threw me in and i that's probably why i am doing what i'm doing today which is teaching leadership development to teenagers yeah wow <laughs> It's funny because the first one that I, actually goes back to my teenage years as well. It's funny because I mentioned basketball shoes and being in the basketball shoes. My first um, re remembrance of being in leadership was that so I played basketball growing up. <clears throat> and the the small community two-year junior college that I actually ended up attending, uh, Spartanburg Methodist College, the, the basketball coach there in those days was Jim Johnson. And they ran a thing called Upward Basketball Camp. Now, Upward Basketball has become since a huge thing. But Upward, yeah, yeah, Upward Basketball actually started as a a a faith based Christian uh, faith based um, summer basketball camp in Spartanburg, South Carolina. No and way, so, my kids played. Yep. Now it's this huge conglomerate of 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 networks. But so I had attended Upward as a uh, I guess middle schooler or whatever. Okay. And as a high schooler, I was asked to because it was basically for first through sixth graders. So it was younger, you know, younger kids. So as a high schooler, I was asked asked to be a coach of a mm -hmm. group at um, Upward Basketball Camp. And mm -hmm. so um, I didn't know how to coach a thing. I knew a little bit about basketball. At least I thought I did. And um, but so I was uh, entrusted with six or seven little rugrats. And uh, <laughs> go out on a basketball court and try to teach them how to dribble and shoot and 
and slide and all those kind of things. We we had a lot of a lot of my friends did that. I have great memories of those times uh, of being in leadership. I don't remember really any learning any great leadership principles at that time. Other than I do remember being, you know, it's it's funny because you know, as a teenager, you think that like I'm trying to, to say this. You you think of leadership as something for old folks. You know, it's like I got to wait my turn to be in leadership. And then that was the first chance I had, I guess, um, uh, to to be in leader leadership as a young person. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing about that. That's been um, that really shaped my ministry when I was um, in full time ministry and um, why I am so passionate about what I do now is that's the problem is that we don't teach even children because we put children in leadership roles as well. Um, And we never teach them what that means. And then we grow up with some of the learners we have in our country today. Um, And we wonder why. Um, So I've always made that a part of what I do, whether when I was teaching or in ministry um, and, um, I really feel as though, and I love what we're talking about today, because I really feel like the church is an excellent, excellent place to learn that because we have such a great example in Christ. So, yeah. A hundred percent. So let's jump into this. That's a, that's a silky segue, Kay. Yeah, there you go. On on your first silky segue of the podcast. How about that? Only took you 28 episodes. About time you just had a silky segue. Um. So the article that we're referencing is is I got it from a uh, from the Lewis Center, the Lewis Center for Leadership, which is at Wesley Theological Seminary in uh, Maryland, Baltimore, Washington, somewhere in that area. It's an excellent resource if you don't. It is. uh, It's called the the newsletter is a weekly newsletter called Leading Ideas, um, and it's an excellent resource. the The article is actually written by Ed Stetzer and Tom Rayner. Uh, who I think are from the uh, from the Baptist uh, world of things. Not that we care about denominations too much here at the Cultivating Ministry Podcast, but mm-hmm. um, just so you know. Um, and what they list is ten uh, ten traits of ten leadership traits of Jesus that we're going to try to walk through and kind of give you some commentary about how we might have experienced this or not experienced this or um, seen this. You know, help leaders be effective and those kind of things. And, and the first one. Uh, kind of gets back to what you said earlier with being thrown in by this leader was that G- not that they intentionally did this, but they ultimately did this maybe accidentally was that Jesus invested in people. Uh, mm-hmm. The first line there says Jesus invested in people because he believed in people. Uh, Paul described the trust God places in us as a sacred trust. Um, so leader, I've always said when it comes to trust, there are two types of people in this world. Those who trust, who who will trust you until you lose give them a reason lose, not to right until you give them a reason not to or there are those who will not trust you until you give them a reason to trust you, you have to earn the trust right, right. um but you know i wonder sometimes it, it, it seems like from this maybe jesus was was one of those who kind of trusted people um of course, I guess when you start getting down to this, Jesus knew if they were trustworthy or not because he's God after all. But yeah. he trusted people often without them. Sometimes not only without them having earned it, but some lots of often it was even after they had seemingly lost that trust, he still trusted them to to uh, to lead. 
What, yeah. what are your thoughts there about um, investing in people, Kay? Well, I think number one priority as a leader is relationships. It's how you treat people. It's um, getting to know people, understanding them, um, understanding their personalities, their leadership styles. To me, that's number one. If you're a leader, know your people, especially I think in, in the ministry arena. Um, yep. It's the way to find the best volunteers because you're you're finding out what their gifts and passions are first. You're getting to know them as a person before you're, you know, I think so many times we're looking for warm bodies and it's the failure of um, ministry uh, by pulling in the wrong people. You know what came to mind, though, as I was rereading this again, is... You know, Jesus didn't, when he, when he called his disciples, yep. he didn't throw it out to the masses and say, who wants to follow me? He asked one-on-one -on -one individual, except for the case of the brothers. But, um, you know, and I, I think that's a good model in and of itself as well. Yeah, I would love to know, you know, we, we don't get much glimpse into what his relationship or if there was a relationship with those disciples before he called them. Yeah. But I wonder, because I feel like that, to get what you're getting at, I think in investing in people, like you said, how do you do that? It's spending time with them. Mm -hmm. And so I think that 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 takes some, I, I've always kind of um, assumed, maybe is the right word, maybe it's a bad word, I don't know. But I've kind of always assumed there had to be some connection with Jesus and those 12. I mean, some stranger walking yeah. and says, come follow me, or we're not getting the whole, you know, conversation in the Bible, but, you know. But I think that's really he knew him. Do what? I he knew him, right? Yeah. He so, knew him before. You know, at least I'm gonna hope he did. But even if he didn't, you know, to me, I really think as I think about investing in people, that's really what that almost could be a, de a definition of leadership. Mm -hmm. Because you know, as a leader, that's exactly what you're doing. I mean, you're you're mm -hmm. you're as a leader, and I think we may get in this in one of the other um, you know, traits they list, but that that your 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 goal as a leader is to produce other leaders, and right. again, I I know there's there's discussions in 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 leadership worlds about you know not everyone is should be a leader and those kind of things, but you mm -hmm. know I still think that 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 we have to part of our job as leader. Yes, there will always be those who are not destined to be cut leaders out. or not cut yeah. out to be leaders. Much better word than destined, and that's fine. But I think part of great the greatest leaders are those who can invest in people and, and build them up and bring them up to be leaders. I mean, the 12 are a great example. I mean, he, he yeah. comes from a, from a one job and, and he said, and then before long they become, he's gone, you know, he has ascended into heaven and those 12 are left to lead the church. Yeah. Changed the world, right? In some ways he worked himself. He, he prepared others for when he was no longer there. Which is a great example as well. Yeah. Um, here's how I always explain to teenagers um, about leadership. I think you're absolutely right about a leader is someone who invests in others. I do think everyone is a leader. I don't think everyone is cut out to lead. So, mm -hmm. and what I mean by that is as a leader, a leader is someone who has influence on someone else. So it doesn't matter if you're an older sibling, you influence your younger siblings. If you are the oldest in a neighborhood as a child, you have influence on the rest of those neighbors. Um, uh, if you're a husband, you have influence or, yeah. or a wife. 
um, you have influence on your household. Yeah. Um, so everyone is a leader. However, to someone, to, to, to to someone. someone. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. So I can remember going back. Golly, this is like, I'm going to call this, I'm going to title this episode, the basketball episode. But <laughs> I remember. Hey, March Madness. Yeah, that's exactly right. March Madness. I don't know if this will come out before. This may be April when it comes out, but that's okay too. Um, although if it's in April, the first week of April, we would have just had the championship game. So it's still relevant. But uh, as an eighth grader, I remember playing basketball and, and I had probably one of the, one of the folks who was who has been very influential in, in, in my life was uh, my eighth grade basketball coach, uh, who's also the the FCA leader. And so he had an impact not only on my court, you know, in basketball, but also my faith development. But he had a nephew, I think it was, who would come to all of our games. And one time he and one night one day he began to talk to us as eighth graders now about the way we were influencing others and that people were always watching us and and modeling, maybe even modeling their lives after us. And he talked about his nephew, how he and Joshua Wells was our point guard in eighth grade. And and he said the other day he was with his nephew and went to tie his nephew's shoe. And he said, I started tying it like I've always tied my shoes. And, and my nephew's like, no, 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 don't do it like that. He says, what are you talking about? He says, I want to do it like Joshua does it. And so I don't know, you know what Joshua did, how he tied his shoes. But this nephew had paid that much attention to Joshua oh, yeah. that he was like, and so, yeah, you're exactly right. So. You know, everyone has a sphere of influence that that there is someone who may be younger than you, maybe older than you, that you don't even realize that in some ways you are an example to, which really gets to the core and to the heart of what being a leader is. Right. And I think, I mean, I would always remind my own kids of this, that even um, just being an upperclassman, you know, people are looking up to you just yeah. because you are in the grade you're in, there's someone else looking up to you. And so then how do you treat others? How, you know, what's the legacy that that's another thing I always like to say to, um, especially young people, what's the legacy you want to leave behind for others. And I think that's directly influenced by how you invest and how you treat yep. others. So yeah, really absolutely. Cool. Well, that's excellent. Um, let's look at the second one. So the second trait they list here in this article is that Jesus saw long and far. Um, what stuck at me in the description here was that uh, it says Jesus was living beyond the moment. With the pressures of local church leadership, it is possible, it is possible for us to shorten our sight. We must never reduce God's desire to inconsequential measurements. Transformational church leaders are looking further than they ever further than ever before um i think what you just said really fits here in that um jesus was leading for when he was going to be leaving and so um i think with that mindset so that that's part of this i know there's more to this than that but part of the mindset is always looking ahead and and making sure you're investing in a way for that future, right? Which, um, which in some ways is is part of the. Um, uh, you mentioned this earlier in our in our before we even got into the actual the actual article. It's part of the, I think my my maybe frustration is too strong, but part of what frustrates me about the church is this idea we want young people to be present but not but not mm-hmm. um, involved, like be here, sit at the kids table, but look don't, good. yeah, look good. We need, we need young people in our church so we can make, 
make it like we're a intergenerational, but there's no impact or no. Um, and and right. that's how you begin to, I think, think long and far. We talked about this on uh, the the episode about um, church about um, I think I brought it up then was on the one about measuring success. And is that that the, um, uh, is Mark Ostriker talks about taking the long view of of, mm-hmm. of measuring success in mm-hmm. that particularly in youth ministry, you know. But this could apply to any ministry. If you look at in youth ministry specifically, if you look at if you measure whether or not you've been successful by what a uh, an individual is like as a high school senior, you may not be very satisfied with the results. But often, as they grow mature, you see the the you see the fruit of the seeds that were planted as teenagers once right. they're 30. Yep. You know, yep. He has a fantastic story he shares, uh, has shared, well, I've heard him share at least twice, I think, uh, about a, a, he was, so he was a junior high youth pastor and, and there was another pastor that or uh, senior high youth pastor at their church. And he talked about how they had taken pride in doing a, a good job of transitioning young people from junior high ministry, handing them off to senior high ministry. Uh, I think it was some, some kind of transition he was leaving or something. And there was one kid, during that year, he left or some of those. I don't remember the exact story. I could be wrong. Um, but anyway, the the kid got kind of, it kind of fell through the cracks and mm-hmm. ended up never really connecting with the senior high ministry and kind of quit coming to church and kind of got involved with the wrong crowd and those kind of things. And so he graduated high school and left. You know, Marco said, if I had measured my success as a junior high youth pastor based on his, uh, the way he, or where he was in his faith walk as a high school senior, I would have thought I had failed. He ran into him at another church. He was visiting a church and, and this kid and that guy at that point was, I think, in his early 30s or late 20s. And he pulls up. Marco does this church and gets out. And there's this guy. He's a greeter in the in the in the parking lot of another church. And he tells a story. Basically, you know, I, I had turned away from the church and I was mad at the church. And he said, I, I, I but he tells this great story about how he was how he went to church one final time to give God this final chance. And he had a great experience. And now wow. he's involved in the church and he his faith was growing. And so Marco said, now as a 30-year-old-ish person, if I look at my success as a junior high youth worker, I made an A+. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, that we think when you, when you look that, when you think about that through leadership, you know, is sometimes we, we don't see the, that's the difficulty about leadership and, and measuring your effectiveness is you don't always see the fruit or the results of the impact you are in mm-hmm. creating leaders until you take that long and far Um Yeah, and we kind of take God out of the equation there, right? Right. (laughs) You know, if you know you've planted the seeds, I mean, yes, we want to seamlessly pass on um, those students to the next level of their faith journey, um, but God's got them, right? I mean, eventually, I think um, a a lot of times they find their way. I also think, um, when we talk about, um, looking further ahead, um, I don't know about you, but the experiences I have had as a church, we don't do always do a great job of setting goals and that smart goals, first of all, and then, um, using those, you know, I think if in the United Methodist setting, a um, church council, for instance, should all be around. What are our five-year goals, three-year goals, two-year goals? What are you doing as a leader in this church? What have you done in this quarter to get us to yeah. um, those goals this year? You know, I, I think we do a lot of um, um, putting out fires. Yeah. Um 
and and just trying to keep our head above the water and not enough of that like like it says right here in this article looking further ahead and holding each other accountable and um and all of that yeah and it, you know it mentions it in the last part of this um little description i guess of that jesus looks long and far it says that instead of a two-year church calendar we need to plan for the next century of impact jesus prayed for thousands of years into the future and that seems it's crazy to me yeah it's nuts that's about to say yeah. it, it seems so foreign but as i've thought about this you know if you look back again if you broaden that perspective if you look at a year sometimes that you you make you make minimal process, minimal progress, process, minimal progress. But then you can look at a five-year plan. You make further, and then if you look at ten years, how far you've come. And I think sometimes we forget about that, especially now in this instant world of yeah. everything is faster <laughs> and slower. I mean, we have the internet at our fingertips now, and we used to not have any of this information. We used to have to go to Encyclopedia Britannica to get this information, <laughs> you know, and, and go look right. it up. And they only they only produce a new encyclopedia once a year, and so you had the same information for a whole year. Now it changes all the time. And so and I think that's also like, I, and that's one of the things I think that gives me hope for the church is that, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, in this time where we there's so much doom and gloom about the future of the church, not just the United Methodist world, but all the church, you know, with all the decline and the, you know, the church is on the decline, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in the USA, particularly which is only following the the pattern from from Europe and those kind of things, but that's another another podcast altogether. Yeah, is that we 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 tend to panic about what is happening right now, right? And, and if we can look, and my and my hope for is that when we look back on this period of time, that right now is the is is the here and now that makes us very anxious. That twenty years down the road, fifty years down the road, when our grandchildren, um, you know begin to look back at this time, they're going to see it completely differently mm -hmm. and may even see what we feel like is the, 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 the end of the world, so to speak for the church, that it actually was a time that was, was fruitful and a time that right. made some shifts. Right. You go back, there, there's this, under, there's this little theory of, of not a theory. It's almost a fact that around uh, roughly every 500 years, there's a major shift in mm -hmm. the church. You know, mm -hmm. 1500, you had the, Re the, the Reformation. Well, we're, we're, we're overdue. And so maybe right. all this we're seeing now is going to be eventually look back and they're going to look back and see this time period in our church as we now see the Reformation as a very positive thing. Right. And transformation takes time. And so yep. I do feel like we're in this um, time of transforming yep. the church. And you could say, my gosh, how do you plan for a whole century? Well, I think the answer to that is in number one. Right. Investing yep. in people. Um, yep. And so making sure that um, um, that you are going deep with yep. those relationships, which I let's think really fits into number three. Yep. Which I was going to say, let's just try to hit one more because I think it does tie mm -hmm. in and that might be a good stopping point. And we can figure out we can do this in three or four now instead of two or three. Um, but the third uh, trait of Jesus, the leader, was that Jesus sent people away from him on mission. Luke 9, 1 through 2 and 10, 1 through 2, give the picture of Jesus sending believers away to do ministry. He sent them to touch the hurting and work for the harvest. Um, Jesus consistently and constantly had disciples coming and going. Mm -hmm. Kind of flies right in the face of this idea of having your flock. Mm -hmm. You know, these are my right. people. And, and so um, 
but it, it's this it's this ministry of leadership that was an equipping ministry. It wasn't, a, and I yeah. think, yeah, I think we sometimes equate leader teaching. We equate we equate leadership to teaching to gathering those who are leaders are the ones who gather the most knowledge. But I think that it's actually it's more of a wisdom thing. And I've always said that I think in my mind, wisdom, and I don't know if I heard this somewhere and made this up, but in my mind, wisdom is knowledge plus experience. You know, you 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 can have all the knowledge of the world and have zero wisdom. You can have mm-hmm. all the experiences in the world but have zero wisdom. You have both mm-hmm. of those. If you have, you know, the more of each of those you have, which is why I think wisdom comes with age, because you have experiences as that you experience more of life. And that's where and you think of new ways or different perspectives of how you apply the knowledge you have creates right. this wisdom. And so I think that is a, is a, is a, um, a reminder and a, and a, hopefully a challenge for, uh, for us as leaders to, uh, to equip other leaders to move on and not be, and don't be a leader. Don't be a leader hoarder. <laughs> don't, don't create leaders just for you, yeah. to use, you know, set them free, let them go, go be the best version of themselves. They can elsewhere in other ministries and that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's such a good example of um, that the staff, for instance, in your church is not the only ones who should be leading ministries. Um, and I, I think that's a culture thing in our country a lot is that we we hire professionals to do the work, um, but we don't realize the importance of um, our role in um, in being in mission. And um, yeah, a and, very, and, 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 and the reality is if you, if, if the only leaders in your church are your church staff, then you're not, you don't have a culture of leadership, Mm-mm. you know, and, and, not so, at all. and so, and that's, and that's this whole gather and scatter model that has, you know, you, you know, I thought we're beginning to hear a lot about that within the church, at least maybe I am, I may have circles I run in, but this idea that the church is a place to gather to, to, in, in the, this is my words, but you gather to kind of have your to, to have your cup filled up, but then the idea mm-hmm. is you go scatter to pour it out. You mm-hmm. come back, gather again to have your cup filled up, and then you scatter to pour it out to others. So it's this constant, um, this constant um, filling and refilling, and then filling others up by pouring into them. Right, uh, right. I think that's a great model for leadership too. I like that. Yeah, gather yeah. and scatter. There you go. That's your. Your picture. Any other thoughts there on the on the sending people away? Uh no. I think yep. it's it's good stuff. It's important, and yep. uh, and that's what that's you know going back to two. You know, number two. If we're planning for a century, well, if we're not, in, you know, allowing people to go do ministry, then most anybody <laughs> listening to this podcast most likely won't be here in a century. Uh, no. I mean, unless you're two and listen to this podcast, and there's a slim chance you're made to 102. You know, most folks listening to this podcast will not live for another century. So, if we're going to plan for impact for a century out, we've got to be equipping other people and and create mm-hmm. a pattern of that, and, and then sending. And I think the sending thing is so I think it's so good, right? Not don't be a leader hoarder. I like that. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, obviously, Jesus. Um, knew was confident in it's that empowering yeah. you talked about was yeah. confident in his yeah. disciples to be able yeah. to do so yeah cool that's a good place to stop that's three of the <laughs> ten um we'll probably do three or four next time and then maybe three or four the last time depending on how, or maybe we'll do three two and two you never know 
Who knows? You know, we, we <laughs> it's a series. Know. It's That's a right. series. We're, we're letting Jesus lead us in the midst of this through the Holy That's Spirit. That's right. So, the Spirit will move. and That's right. Exactly. We just are, are, are channeling our inner charismatic roots. Um, so our random fact of the day, and I, I pulled this one up and I realized that I've already done, I guess I'm doing, maybe it's because Lindy is in Japan, who, by the way, hey, Lindy, because Lindy has been consistently listening to the podcast. Hey, Lindy. Um, I can at least. We appreciate you, you following us. Yes. I told her, I said, thank you for making us an international podcast. Yes. Um, but Japan, where Lindy lives currently, uh, Japan has 23 vending machines per person. That's the what? highest amount of vending machines per capita in the world. Okay. Now, I want Lindy to take pictures. <laughs> I will say this, that Lindy did tell me the other day, we were, or maybe a couple, few weeks ago, that like the best coffee in Japan is vending machine coffee. Like you get like what? really good. Yeah. So you actually can go to the vending machine. You push all the stuff you want and it makes this really good cup of coffee. So well, I think I it was mean, coffee. You- it was either coffee or tea. So, I mean, you can go to the gas station here, but I wouldn't say it's the best coffee. Well, I, and if I'm wrong, I will try to remember to ask her and correct my correct myself. But I'm pretty sure I want to see pictures. Like, um, I want to, I want to know what all you can get. Because think about it. Like, if you go to a vending machine here and get a sandwich, yep. ew. I also want to know, like, surely. So when I think vending machines in the in the, in the U.S., I think Coke or as you would call it, pop. Or soda. I don't know which one you use, but you know, in the South, that every drink. every uh, soft drink is a Coke. Everything's a Coke. Yeah, that's right. But it's either Cokes or it, it may. Oh. Be, I have I have seen really bad coffee in hospitals, or it's snacks like you know at the at the rest area on the interstate. Okay. So my hunch is if there's 23 vending machines per person, there has to be some 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 other type of items that Japan has discovered work in a vending machine. Sushi work here. Sushi vending machine. I think I'll pass I, I bet. I bet. I guess we could go back to the old school. Yeah, you know, it used to be that I can remember my, my mom and dad both smoked when I was younger. And mm-hmm. I can remember Mine too. Pull, the pull yep. knob vending machines for cigarettes. So maybe they have yep. cigarette vending machines. I'm going to ask Lindy. Maybe if 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 I have a chance to ask her between now and and before this thing is released in a week or so, if I can get a picture, I'll post a couple of pictures on the on yeah. the. In, in the on Instagram or 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 on the uh, podcast page or in the show notes, but I thought it was kind of interesting. Twenty three is a lot of vending machines. That's a lot of vending machines because there's a lot of people in Japan. It's yeah, not like a, it's not like it's a small. You know, country. so I always think of the sociology of it. You know, like why, why is there? Um, and I bet it's because you can't feed that many. Pe- you don't have enough workers to feed that many people, mm. right? Yeah, she's told us some really fascinating things about. She loves the Japanese culture, by the way. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like one of the things she's really has really stuck out to her, like is folks don't talk on their phones in public. Why like, they all have cell phones, but like on trains and those kind of things, nobody's talking on the phone. So one time I was talking to her on on FaceTime, and she was walking in actually to a convenience store, oddly enough, and she's like, "Hey, hang on, I'm going to be quiet. If you want to keep talking, that's fine." She had her AirPods in, and so she's walking mm-hmm. around, and, she's, and she said, "Yeah, you don't, you don't. It's 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 considered rude to talk on your phone in public." Okay them i thought so too it's really cool so anyway well that's all we've got uh i hope you enjoyed that little venture into the, J- the japanese culture um <laughs> as you, you never know jesus. Uh, you never know where we're, yeah jesus and japanese culture that's what we do here on the cultivating ministry podcast. We never know. you know we start and we just don't know where we're going to end up yep, yep. we talk about basketball 
Jesus leadership and vending machines in Japan and Japanese culture. Yeah, if you told me before we started, we were gonna talk about those things. I'd have told you no way. So anyway, if we can be of, of help to you as you lead in, in your ministry context, um, feel free to reach out to us. If you just want to send us a question or a comment on our social media feeds at Cultivate Group on Instagram or Facebook, feel free to do that. Um, if you would like to have some intentional conversation or coaching or consulting for you and your church, we're available to do that as well. You can find out more information about that at our website, which is cultivategroup.org. Again, that's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group.org. Um, like, rate, su- subscribe, review, follow, all this stuff. Yeah, jump on trampoline, anything like that that helps us and, and you know, more folks find this podcast. We'd be super appreciative of that. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next time on the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Cultivating Ministry Podcast. Strategies, resources, and conversations equipping leaders to cultivate healthy ministry environments. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like, rate, and review our show wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to connect with you on social media, so follow Cultivate Group at C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight group, on Instagram and Facebook. And check out our website at cultivategroup.org. That's C-U-L-T-I-V, the number eight, group.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time.